Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. The reading is taken from Genesis chapter 39, which you'll find on page 43 of the Bibles. Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left Joseph care for everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, 
come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Jesus, Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warder. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Now, um, my friend at the back is going to tell me if he hears me all right. And um, he's just going to stick his thumb up because um, I, uh, I, I, I don't hear so well. Um, it's so good to be with you. Uh, it's a joy and a privilege to come and, and serve amongst you. And, um, and for us as an LCM team to meet with you. Um, this morning when we come to this passage, and um, I think you're going to put my... Thank you. Um, this will just stay up if you don't mind. Um, give someone something for people to read if they don't want to listen to me. But um, uh, this will be the reoccurring theme throughout uh, my, my, my talk, uh, the few moments that we have this morning, which is that, that God was with Joseph. And I want, if, if you take nothing else away from this, is that God is with us in whatever our circumstance and that we, uh, uh, that, um, that, 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 that is the key element of, of this thing. It's always interesting when you get given a passage to speak on and you think, oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to do? What does this fit? But actually, it fits really perfectly into this whole issue that we've been talking about, about uh, those who are marginalised. For me, I work with the homeless and marginalised. And actually... Uh, we have it here in this passage. So I'm just going to give you a bit of a recap, if I can, uh, for the story. And that is that Joseph 
You know, he's there, he has his brothers. He's, however, he's the favorite of, of his father, Jacob, uh, which is kind of often wrong to have a favorite child. Uh, nobody would admit to doing that, I'm sure. Uh, but he does. And of course, he treats his son a lot better than his others. Uh, but yet, but yet, God had a plan for Joseph, a plan that was there from the beginning. And Joseph, of course, has this dream. He tells them all about this dream, about every, that they will be bowing to him, and they come up. And the brothers get a bit miffed, well, more than miffed. They set out to do him a serious injury. And, of course, uh, in the previous passage in, in 37, we read that, uh, in fact, they, they beat him up. They, they're going to throw him in a pit and leave him to die. Uh, yet, however, they see uh, slave traders going past. And so they think, ah, well, we'll be better off um, if we, we sell him. We can make some money. But something that struck me with uh, this passage in 37 was that uh, they got his cloak, this great big multicolored cloak that he had. Uh, you know, they, they do great stage plays about it. But this beautiful coat, and they sacrifice an innocent baby goat, a kid goat. Now, um, which uh, is that indication, isn't it? So a sacrifice was made in order that they can go back and lie to their father about Joseph, uh, about him being dead and, and, and that. And so blood is spilt. Innocent blood is spilt here uh, in the very beginning. But God is still with Joseph and he finds himself in Potiphar's house. And here he, he, it, it tells us that, um, uh, that although he finds himself uh, in, in slavery, uh, he is able and he is accomplishing all that, that uh, God has, has, has set about him. Um, in a way, I, I think Joseph's really great because he sees his dream die in a way. You know, he, thought, he thinks he's on this path, and yet, uh, in fact, you know, suddenly he's in slavery. You know, uh, none of this is happening. And I don't know about you. I, I, I think I have to be honest. Well, God, where are you in all of this? I thought, you know, I was following your way. But sometimes we need to see our own visions die, our own dreams die in order that we might actually follow uh, God's vision and what he wants from us to do. And that's really important, is that, you know, we sing a song sometimes, here I am, wholly available, as for me, I will serve the Lord. And we used to, before pre-pandemics, as a mission, we'd gather in a big church along with hundreds of our supporters and, you know, a great choir and, you know, the organs playing and we're, sh you know, and we're all rejoicing. And then you go out and you think, do I really mean that? You know, is that, is that really me? Is that really true of me? Will I do what God has sent me to do? So he sees that die. 
But his attitude is this, that he serves to the best of his ability. And Potiphar makes him chief of his household. So in a very short space of time, he has risen from just, you know, starting lad to being in charge of everything. And that is really amazing. And that tells us something, doesn't it? As, as if, we, if we are Christians today, it tells us how we are to behave. Whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, that actually we still have to conduct ourselves in that godly, Christ-like manner. You know, uh, if, we, if we claim to be uh, Christians today, then, you know, we have to have self-control, patience, kindness, and all the other attributes that we are given to and that God has for us. And so he is able to go about his work peaceably and serve where he's meant to serve. And he just puts his trust in God that what will be will be and that God will take him through it. And that's really important for us to know is that whatever happens, God will take us through it. There is light at the end of that tunnel. And, and brothers and sisters, this morning, I don't know your circumstances, and I would not dream to, to belittle any of the uh, pains or agonies that people might be going through. But I can tell you from my own experience that God remains with We, as, and this is why um, uh, this whole footprint, so I know it's, it's like back in the 80s and 90s when I first became a believer, this was all up there. But that message is true today as it was back then when I got saved in 91. It's simply that we, we sometimes go this way uh, from God and move away from hearing him. But God remains with us. And I want to encourage you, if, if you are struggling, because I was saying to a really great friend of mine, I feel always often a hypocrite. I have the privilege of speaking. I share from the Bible. And, and you know, I, I'm sharing what truths are in the Scriptures, but I don't sometimes feel them myself. So there's a bit of honesty for you. You know, I don't often feel that I am like that, uh, the, the, the thing I'm preaching. You know, and you think, what a hypocrite. But that's the challenge, is for us to reach out uh, to God. And two ways that we can do that, and two things I've really learned, and I was, in many ways, I'm speaking a much to the, more to the men of the congregation than I am to the women, because women are fabulous. They can multitask, and they can speak to lots of people. Us men, if, if you get, so I'm, I'm going to be 50 quite soon, and I can count on this hand, actually, how many proper friends I have. You know, uh, if you're married, it's all your wife's friends, really, or it's be the kids' friends, uh, and all of that. Uh, uh, it may not be. I, I'm not an extrovert, but it tends to be. Uh, <laughs> you know, that for men, as particularly, we tend not to have that many. We have loads of acquaintances, uh, but fewer friends. Well, I encourage people, find a friend you trust who's another Christian that you can be really able to share 
So I have a brilliant friend um, who I can just say, this is not going right. I don't feel this is this way. He can say the same to me. We can be too, totally honest with one another and, and share. And that means we can pray about it. So when I don't feel like that I'm really being able to pray brilliantly, he can pray for me. And that really works, my dear friends. I really encourage you to, to think about that. The second thing, and I know time's going to quickly go on, but I'll come back to this. I always drift in and out, so I apologise. Um, it's how my brain works. Um, so the other thing I discovered many years ago that radically transformed my Christian life in my service to God and how I serve him and how I walk with him is the moment I get out of bed, the more one foot touches the floor, I give God thanks. So I don't put a shopping list for the day. I give him thanks. And that changed into two thank yous, three thanks. So thank you that I'm able to walk. Um, it happened at a time of my life when I was having, uh, I had been very, very ill. And actually getting out of my bed was a miracle. And so therefore, I, I just turned these things around and discovered that if you start saying thank you, and then it grows. If you get second thank you, third thank you, for you suddenly realize that actually the first part of your prayer, and I hope that you, I'm, I'm taking the, the uh, illusion that you are praying people and that you pray in the morning and that, that actually this is a great way to encourage your prayer life is by starting with thank yous. And that way, I think, it makes your, your cup half full so that you're not uh, half empty, you're half full and you can enjoy what God has for us. Anyway, I'm going to get back. One of the, the things about this is Potiphar, uh, um, Potiphar's wife falsely accuses uh, Joseph of doing that. And she uses the old trick, doesn't she? Uh, it's quite a horrible word to use. That Hebrew that has come amongst us, uh, he has come to make sport of us. He, she particularly points out that he is from a different part of the world, that he is from a different religion, and that he has come to make sport. And that's quite wicked of her. So she has lied. Uh, he has wanted to be honest, and yet she has lied, and he is suddenly thrown in jail. But yet, what are we going to say? God was with Joseph. So we can, we can know of stories of people being falsely accused. Today, as I speak to you, there will be brothers and sisters in prison simply because they love the Lord Jesus Christ and simply because they will not deny him and they are fine in prison. Uh, and, and we need to not just pray for them, but I think also to be ensuring that our government is, is speaking to other governments who are doing this. Uh, I'm not here to sap on any political platform, but I think, you know, it should be made known. Um, and, uh, and, and we should make that known. And so let us remember those who are falsely accused, who don't have the freedom to meet like we are.
But God is with Joseph. And I'm going to speedily go on. I know that time is um, about to go on. But all of this. So from Genesis 12, that pro- promise to Abraham to make him a nation through to all of these things that you'll... I don't want to do a spoiler alert, but it does work out okay for Joseph. Uh, you know, sorry, Joe. But it, it will work out. He'll tell you later about that. But <laughs> that is part of God's covenant plan so that it leads to Jesus. He is the one who is falsely accused. We read that, you know, the, the Sanhedrin uh, deliberately would lie against him. And they were the ones that would shout, crucify and yet even then Jesus says to um, uh, to, 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 to the people it is, it is not you that decide to take my life but I willingly give it it is a willing sacrifice that he gives his blood shed for us, shed for me him that our sins can be dealt with. Friends, we have a wonderful Savior who has done a great act and that he is able to heal our wounds. One of the the, the things uh, about all of this is that when we find uh, forgiveness through the cross, through what Christ has done, then we find peace. We find new life. And we find that we are able, when we're falsely accused, not to react, but to be a bit more Joseph-like and to be kind. To, uh, when, when, when someone reviles you, you're able to say, God bless you, rather than, ah. You know, I drove here today. I, I, I live in North London. I drove here today and I wanted to go, ah! but actually I thought, no, the Lord is with me. So even in your car driving, you have to behave as a Christian. But friends, so uh, I, I can see we, we time is up. But this morning, God is with you. Do not let go of that sight that he remains with you. He is faithful He is true to his word, and his word never fails. That he died, he rose again, he took our sin upon himself, that we might know forgiveness and new life. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.